Thank you so much for checking out the Connect Church podcast. We hope you're encouraged and inspired by this week's sermon. So let's jump right in and check out this week's message. Yes, how you doing? How's this social distancing going? Uh, maybe you can throw out an emoji or some thoughts there on our chat this morning. But I just want to check in. How are you doing now? If you're introverted, you've been prepping for this season for your entire life, right? Um, if you are an extrovert... Somebody needs to check on you, make sure you're doing okay in this season of your life as well. In fact, one of my favorite memes, maybe this is too soon, but I'm going to throw it out there anyway, is really a picture of the world social distancing champ. You ready? And here it is. I'm going to ask my camera to zoom in here a little bit too. You ready? That's right, Bigfoot. He is the world champion social distancing guy there is out there. And so my hope and my prayer is, is that you are well and that you are doing okay in this season of life. Now, I think back to the fall. I had a chance to visit Israel, and we had a chance to spend a few days in Galilee, and I loved our time in Galilee, really the beginning of Jesus' ministry. Remember right, it was there that he would call his disciples. It was there that he would preach his famed Sermon on the Mount. It would be there that he would even walk on the water. Some incredible things took place in Galilee. Well, one of my favorite sites we visited was a, a site, really a new archaeological find called Magdala. I loved visiting this ancient city of Magdala. In first century Galilee, it was an important city. And there in the heart of Magdala, we had the opportunity to walk amongst what were ancient ruins of a synagogue. Ancient ruins of a synagogue. In fact, I have a couple of pictures here. And uh, this is an aerial view looking down in Magdala at a synagogue, a Jewish place of worship. In fact, it was so well preserved, and it may be hard to see on the camera, but right here are tiles and mosaics that were created that still exist on the floor of this synagogue. And I just loved my time there as I walked those well preserved ruins. And here's what, here's what I want to share with you without question. Jesus walked, Jesus taught, Jesus was in this synagogue in Magdala. In fact, watch what scripture says in Luke chapter 4, verse 44. The Bible says, and he, meaning Jesus, was preaching in the synagogues of Galilee. I mean, just an incredible sight that we had a chance to visit. You know what, I imagine it was here that Jesus first learned of a woman, plunged into darkness, plagued by demons, that possessed her. Hey, by the way, demon possession was a terrible plight on the people of Jesus' day. By the way, demon possession is a real threat even in this day. Really, you ask? Yes, because here's what we see. You ready? Here's how we know they're still at work. Here's what we know. Demons, their demonic activity today. First, we know that demons despise work to combat and oppose the kingdom of God. Luke chapter 11, verses 14 through 23 teaches that. Number two, demons, demonic activity, they seek to deceive and entangle humanity in sin, seeking to manipulate us to do their will rather than God's will. Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 26 teaches us. In another way, that demons are at work, that is, that it is possible for them to have such an influence over a person that essentially... They possess them. We find that in Luke chapter 8, verse 26. Now, real quick, believer, take heart. 
Demons cannot possess the believer. Now their tactics can oppress us and at times even depress us, but demons cannot take control over a believer's life because that life belongs to Jesus. Hear me, the devil nor his demons has any authority or power over any Christian except the authority and the power we grant him by believing his lies and his deceptions. Remember this in 1 John 4, 4. You ready? The one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Well, here's the problem with the woman in Magdala. You ready? She was at a disadvantage against the demons that possessed her. She was in spiritual darkness, a damsel in distress held captive by demons. Hey, by the way, in the context and the conversation of sin, I admit that I'm as much a dude in distress as she was a damsel in distress. Here's the reality, ready? We are all in distress, and therefore all of us need a rescue story. Her name, Mary. She was from Magdala. Affectionately in scripture, she is known as Mary Magdalene. And this is her rescue story. Now, little is known of Mary Magdalene's story, but the most important parts of her story are known to us. However, her name and rescue story are forever etched into history because of their inclusion in the Bible. Think of it some 2,000 years later, we're still telling her story. And so this morning, I invite you to watch as the scenes unfold in Scripture of Mary's rescue story. Here's scene number one, you ready? Simply put, we find Mary's rescue. In Luke chapter eight, verses one and two, here's what the Bible says. That after this, Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The 12 were there with him and also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out. Man, I read that passage and go, well, wait a second. Seven, seven demons. One's bad enough. You know, the actual events aren't recorded of how this rescue played out, but it seems like all hell itself came after it, doesn't it? However, the most important part of her story is told. That Jesus rescued her story, her very soul. And now a question comes. If you've been around the church scene at all, Mary Magdalene, she's a captivating figure. Is she the woman who is sexually immoral there in Luke chapter 7 like so many think? Well, the answer to that is we don't know. We, we don't know, but at times when Scripture speaks of her, it does seem fitting that Mary had a, a past and maybe even a dark past. I love how one author put it about Mary Magdalene, he says this, it seems reasonable that a vague remnant of what was once her public shame lingers to highlight her Savior's grace. The most important part of any story is that Jesus rescued us, he saved us, he made us his own. Hey, let me ask you this. Has Jesus rescued your story? Has Jesus saved your soul. Uh, just a couple of weeks ago, my kids were on an early spring break, and we went down to Little Arrow in Townsend, and there we camped for a few days, and it was absolutely 
incredible. This is my oldest daughter, Avery. And we were down at the river, and she, uh, man, she loves throwing rocks in the river. She loves fishing in the river. And on one of the days while we were there, it got pretty hot. So we had the chance just to kind of put on some river shoes and go out into the water. Now, the water was pretty fast in the part of the river we were in. There were some big rapids, but there was a rock right in the middle, and I would go out there and stack some stones on it, and from the bank, we would throw stones at those stack stones and hope to knock them over. And we were just having a blast out by the river. Well, Avery wanted to go out there with me one time, and I said, sweetheart, listen, there's some big rapids out there. So I'm, I'll take you with me, but I'm going to put you right there in, in a place where you'll be safe, but you got to stay still while Daddy stacks these stones. I, I'm a big boy, and I can stand there, but, but sweetheart, it'll take you on down the river. So I got her out there, and I put her in this spot where she was perfectly fine, and I began to reach in the water and, and stack those stones on that stone that we would be launching rocks at in just a few minutes. When all of a sudden, I heard my daughter scream with terror. And immediately, I looked behind me, and, and I saw her floating down the river, and she screamed, Daddy! And her hand was, was reached out. What had happened was her foot had slept on a rock, and she had fallen into the rapid that was strong, and, and she took off down the river. And when I heard her name, I turned and looked. Her arm was reached out. She screamed, Daddy! And then I grabbed a hold of it. And with all of my strength, I pulled her into myself. And man, she was crying. She was terrified. I just held her for a little bit, and we walked back to shore. Now, Avery that day would go home and, and tell mom who was at the camper. She would, she would tell, tell her mom with tears in her eyes, Mom, I, I slipped and I fell in the rapid, and, and, and Daddy saved me. Mimi and Granddad would come on later down the road, and she would tell the story with tears in her eyes of the moment she, she slipped and fell in the rapid, and, and Dad reached around and saved me. Here's the deal. For me, that moment wasn't too big of a deal. My, my daughter had slipped into the rapid, and I did what any dad would do. I reached out and I grabbed her hand, and I pulled her to safety. I did what just any dad would do. You know, I think of, think of Jesus. I think of him rescuing you and, and me and Mary. I think of him rescuing us from the enemy. And you know what I begin to think? That's just what Jesus does, isn't it? It's just what our Savior does, is he saves people. We find in Scripture an incredible rescue story. For Mary, here's scene number two, you ready? And that is this, Mary's remarkable faithfulness. We find Mary's remarkable faithfulness played out in the New Testament. Now think of this, she was one who was once filled with demons, but now is faithful to Christ. She who once walked in darkness now walks with the very light of the world. She who was once feared by the people has been freed by Jesus. And let me remind you just as much with her story as it is ours, what our salvation is all about. Here in Colossians, as Paul would write to church, he said, for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and has brought us into the kingdom of the Son He loves, in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of our sins. L listen to this, you ready? Mary had been freed, Mary had been forgiven, and now Mary is a follower of Christ. 
Matthew chapter 27 reminds us. She's, listen, she's not just a fan of Jesus. She is a follower of Jesus. She would even follow Jesus through the, the darkest and the most tragic of days in Jesus' life, his crucifixion and his burial. She was right at his side, as were the other women disciples. Hey, did you know that Mary Magdalene is mentioned first in every listing of the female disciples, whether you find it in Matthew, Mark, or Luke? And here's what it shows you, ready, about her remarkable faithfulness, that she herself was important, and she was a leader. Consider this, when all the boys deserted Jesus in his darkest hours of trials, of beating, and of crucifixion, the ladies were there for him. Mary Magdalene was there for him. Let me tell you something about fans. You ready? Fans flee when things get hard. Followers always fight to remain faithful. And that's exactly what we see in Mary Magdalene's life and in her faith. Kyle Alderman, he wrote a book called Not a Fan. I love the book. I encourage you to read it, especially since we have a little bit more reading time uh, facing us over the next couple of weeks. And listen to what he said in this book. He says, my concern is that many of our churches in America have gone from being sanctuaries to becoming stadiums. And every week all the fans come to the stadium where they cheer for Jesus but have no interest in truly following him. The biggest threat to the church, he says, today is fans who call themselves Christians but aren't actually interested in following Christ. Man, I take one look at Mary Magdalene's story. Mary was not only interested, she was invested in following Jesus. And my question for us believers is this. Is that our response, believer, to Jesus rescuing our story and our soul? And are we interested, are we invested in following Jesus? Hey, let's take a look at one last scene played out in Mary's life. You ready? We see this, that Mary's rescue is fully realized. Mary's rescue is fully realized. You ready? Jesus' rescue of Mary from the demons was just a precursor for how he would save her from something far more dangerous than demons, her depravity, her sin. Without the resurrection, Mary's rescue story would only be momentary because rid her of demons, and she still dies spiritually because of sin. You know what Mary needed the most? She needed an empty tomb. I think of COVID-19. Man, a virus that has spread rapidly. A virus that essentially has shut down the world. And to everyone listening to me this morning, a virus that has impacted your life in a big way. You know what my prayer has been, what I prayed last night, what I prayed this morning? Is that God would allow our doctors and our medicine, that God would just bring about a cure for COVID-19. You know what, develop a vaccine for COVID-19, and season after season, we could potentially have to fight this virus over and over again. But you ready? Find a cure for COVID-19, and the virus is rendered powerless. 
You see, it was at the empty tomb that Mary found her, her cure. Jesus delivered her from her demons three years earlier, but through the cross, the resurrection of Jesus, he rescued her from the power of sin, the sting of death, and the hold of hell itself. Catch John chapter 20, verse 18. Jesus has risen from the grave. And the Bible says this of Mary's story. Look at this scene. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news. I have seen the Lord. And I can imagine that as she shared that news, tears filled her eyes. Her voice was shaky and cracked, overcoming, overcome with emotion of her very proclamation. The tragedy of the death of Jesus gave way to the undeniable truth that Jesus was alive. When it might have seemed that all hell had won at the events surrounding the cross, Mary was face to face with victory himself, Jesus. Consider this. In all four Gospels, we see that Mary Magdalene is both witness to Jesus' death and to the empty tomb. In the Synoptic Gospels, that's what we call Matthew, Mark, and Luke because they are most alike in the Synoptic Gospels. She is commissioned by Jesus to be the first person to share the gospel, the good news of Jesus' resurrection, the greatest news story in all of history was to be broken to the world by her. I want you to hear me. Oftentimes, various brands of feminism try to make the Bible out to be a, a doctrine of subjugation against women. Don't buy into the lies. Mary Magdalene's story is only one of many that show how much value, importance, and love God displays towards women. From Tamar, Rahab, from Bathsheba's inclusion into Jesus' lineage, which is, by the way, culturally outside the norm, to Jesus disclosing to the woman at the well that he was the Messiah first, to Mary Magdalene being the first person to witness the resurrection, the first person appointed to share the gospel, the good news of the resurrection, women have played, continue to play, and will continue to play a vital role in Jesus building his kingdom. Mary Magdalene was the first witness to the reality of the resurrection. The great the greatest miraculous feat in all of history. She was entrusted with the gospel in a culture that devalued women and did not trust their word. She was first to tell the disciples and thus the world that Jesus was alive. You see, Jesus rescued Mary Magdalene's story. He rescued her soul. He casted out her demons defeated the power of sin over her life, and took away the sting of death. This is Mary's rescue story. All hell came after her, it seemed. And yet Jesus saved her day, her story, her very soul. And you know what? He can do that for you. I ran across a story in closing that an old pastor tells that a young lady in his congregation had received a terminal diagnosis from her doctor that the disease she was facing would soon 
take her life. Well, one day as the end was drawing near, this young lady invited her pastor over to her home. And there they begin to talk about planning out her celebration of life, her funeral service together. And they went through the various parts. And before they ended their conversation, she said, but pastor, I want to make sure you do one thing for me. She says, when they, when they put me inside the casket, and on the day that people will come by and, and pay their respects, would you do me this one favor, pastor? He said, certainly. She said, would you, would you put a spoon in my right hand, or a fork in my right hand? Hey, would, you, would you place a fork in my right hand as I lay there in the casket? Now, the pastor had never heard such a request, and he kind of looked at her a little funny and said, Man, forgive me, what's the reason? Why is it that you want me to put a fork in your right hand? And she began to share the story that when she was little, her grandmother would fix a, a big old meal. She loved going to her grandmother's house. And as soon as they got done eating their supper, the grandmother would always look to the kids and say, hey, listen, save your forks, keep your forks, because dessert's coming. And she just remembered that time and time again as a, as a kid, hey, hey, save your forks, the best is yet to come. Man, and could her grandmother cook some incredible desserts she shared with the pastor. And she looked at him and said, hey, pastor, I want everybody who comes by my casket to look at you standing there, to ask you why there's a fork in my right hand. And I want you to remind them that in Jesus, the best is yet to come. Well, the day came. and Dozens and dozens of people walked past her casket. There towards the end stood the pastor. And person after person asked him, you know, why, why the fork? What's the importance? What's the symbolism of the fork in her right hand? And time and time again, he told the people, that's because in Jesus, the best is yet to come. You know, as I read through Mary's story, I had that very same thought in my mind. At every scene played out in her life, when, when we see Jesus had casted out demons for her, I, I want to say, hey, hey, Mary, Hold on to your fork because the best is yet to come. When we read that Mary witnessed Jesus being tortured and tied to a tree to the cross, I want to say, hey, Mary, hold on to your fork because the best is yet to come. When she went to the tomb that first Easter morning, his body was not there, and she was so upset. I want to scream out, hey, Mary, hold on to your fork. The best is yet to come. And then we begin to look in the gospel of John chapter 20. And there the scene plays out that Mary is standing in front of Jesus who has risen from the grave. And you know what we find her wanting to do? To take hold of Jesus. Because here's what she finally knows. The best has come. In Christ, the best has come. And because of Jesus, the best is yet to come for every believer. So hear me, church, you ready? Hold on to your forks. Hold on to your faith. The very best is yet to come.
in Jesus. Hey, I don't know what demons you are fighting, but in Jesus and only in Jesus, the best is yet to come. I don't know the fears and the worries that you are wrestling with, but in Jesus and only in Jesus, the best is yet to come. So hold on to your fork. Hold on to your faith. The best is yet to come in Christ. In Jesus, the best is yet to come. Hey, let me ask you this question this morning. Has the best come to rescue your story? To save your life? You know, we find in Scripture that for God so loved the world, for God so loved you, that He gave His one and only Son, that if you'll just believe in Him, that whosoever believes in Him will not perish. Hey, hey, you ready? It's the promise that spiritually you will not die but have life. Because in Jesus there is only everlasting life. You know, the answer to that question Yes, Jesus has come to rescue your story. To save your soul. But the question is, is will you let Him? Will you let Him do just that? I think of the believers this morning. And you know what I just want to challenge you to do? Grab hold of your your fork. Take hold of your faith. And as the psalmist reminds us in Psalm 34, 8, even in this season of life, even in these days of uncertainty and the unknown, Psalm 34, 8, take hold of your fork, your faith. Taste and see, the psalmist says, that the Lord is good. For blessed is the one who takes refuge in Him. Believer, I I don't know where your next paycheck is coming from. I'm grateful for a stimulus package that are going to help so many. I don't know what things look like past that. Hey, I I don't know when we're going to get to gather together in this building again. I don't know when life is going to get back to normal. I I don't know if you'll catch COVID-19 or I will. I don't know. But in the midst of all the I don't knows, I'm going to take up my fork, take hold of my faith, realize the best has come in Jesus. And because of Jesus, the best is yet to come. And today, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to leave here, go home to my precious family, I want to taste and see that the Lord is good. And you know what? We're going to be blessed. Me and my house, we're going to be blessed because we're going to take refuge in Him. Thank you again for checking out our podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you can stay up to date on our services. If you'd like to give to support our ministry, you can do that at our website. That's connectchurchpf.com. Hope you enjoyed and have a great week.